Today, I was joined with Blake Hershey, the founder and CEO of SIP. SIP is a mobile application that acts as your personal sommelier. Blake told me about his previous role as Chief Innovation Officer at Morby Associates, the inspiration behind SIP, and what he has to say to people that think the app takes away the spontaneity of wine taste. Here's our conversation. Today, I'm joined with the founder and CEO of SIP. SIP is a tech platform that operates as your personal sommelier. Blake Hersey, thank you for joining me today. Oh, my pleasure, Larry. Thanks for having me. Blake, you've been described as an innovator focusing on uh, robotics and the consumer space. Could you tell me more about your background and your journey in tech? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So uh, I was raised corn-fed West Michigan boy uh, in a loving family. Uh, my parents, they worked at Pfizer, and uh, I come from an engineering family, so my dad always wanted me to be an engineer. Okay. It was a little bit of a little bit disappointed when I was accepted to Michigan State University. I changed my major from pre-med to psychology to management, finally settled on supply chain management and international business. So no engineering there. Um, but since graduating, uh, interestingly, I never supplied any teams. <laughs> um, and then, you know, I started my career life as a management and outsourcing consultant in Boston. Um, and after about 14 to 16 months, uh, I quickly grew tired of the grind of being an Excel jockey. And when my girlfriend at the time, uh, now my fiance, graduated law school at BU, and she decided to move back home to DC, I jumped at the opportunity. Um, so I was looking for jobs, and I was offered a, a job as a business development manager at Mori Associates. Um, and they do some really cool tech services for the government aerospace sector. Um, Supercomputing for space flight trajectories for jet propulsion laboratories and you know, maintaining the communications link to the International Space Station. Um, so after a couple of years on the job, we had a big success uh, winning an IT communications contract for Johnson Space Center in Houston, uh, which tripled our company size. And uh, I guess my boss recognized that a lot of the technical management innovations that helped lead and spearhead uh, the win of the contract uh, was kind of due to me, so she appointed me as the chief innovation officer with a whole additional set of responsibilities, um, really around developing tech solutions and services that better enabled us as a company um, help our customers accomplish their space missions. Um, so I enjoyed several years of doing that, but you know, after really kind of learning maybe what I felt was like 80% of that, um, I felt myself being drawn towards like doing a tech startup uh, more focused in the consumer space where you're building for individuals um, in you know mass quantities rather than you know single uh, agencies or uh, few stakeholders. Okay, so you founded the company that we're talking about now called SIP, um, your personal sommelier. How did you how did you found uh, how did you come up upon that idea of wine and you know what was your inspiration? Yeah, that's a great question. So the inspiration was quite simple. Uh, my fiance came back from a girl's trip uh, one weekend. And while she was there, they're asking her to make all the wine buying decisions because I like wine. So they thought vicariously she knew a lot about wine, um, which wasn't necessarily the case. So every lunch and dinner that they were you know, dining out, uh, they paint her the wine list and she would just take her best guess. Some she had some hits and some misses, and when she came back, she told me this story. Said like just one simple phrase that really ignited the concept of sip. 
I wish there was an app that would tell me which wines I'm going to like on a wine list. Uh, and I thought there must have been one out there. So I started doing research and there wasn't. And, and you know, I have an affinity towards wine and also it's a very big market. Um, in the US, it's about 80 billion a year. And, you know, there's hundreds of thousands of SKUs from all over the world. So it's a very complex market yeah. uh, to navigate. And, you know, with the advent of machine learning and, you know, other technologies, I thought there must be a better way to help consumers figure out what they're going to like. You know, the issue with wine, or one of the challenges is you don't typically get to try it before you buy it. So how can we help people see into the future a little bit and de-risk those purchase decisions? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're you're absolutely right. I know when I go to the store, uh, I never know what I'm gonna get, but I I make pretty good guesses. You know, I spend a, a little time um, in, in the wine industry, so you know, I I make pretty uh, good guesses. But I can definitely see how having the app, being that there's bit, almost like a billion types of wine, can like help narrow it down, make sure that you stay on track with what yeah. what you like. That's a pretty cool idea. So tell me. You, a little, uh, Go ahead. I'm sorry, but you have a little background in wine as well, right? Yeah, yeah, a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> I stopped on a, a great or two. Yeah, that, that's awesome. Yeah. So tell yeah. me, uh, how does how does it work? What's the technology behind SIP? Is there this humongous database that has all the wines, let's say in the U.S. or globally or something like that? How, how does it work? Yeah. Uh, well, that's a big question. Okay. And- the details are quite in depth, but yes, I mean, everything in machine learning and AI and, you know, all the information on products have to be maintained um, in order to build a recommender and provide the details that you know, our users would want to make a, a purchase decision. But, you know, at a high level, we use machine learning models trained on a multitude of different wine characteristics, like the varietals or grapes, uh, the regions where they're from, the price, the alcohol percentage and many others to calculate the similarity of the wines. And then we combine that with something called a collaborative filter model uh, that calculates the similarity of different users' preferences. Um, So then we find users with the most similar tastes to you, for instance, and then the wines most similar to the wines that you've expressed that you like by rating them in the the platform. We combine combine the two into what we call a sigmoid function, um, which is really is taste match, it's a single number and you know the closer to 100 the more likely you're going to like it okay okay now i have so i have the app and i can use it to pretty much figure out what type of wines and when i go different places restaurants right or grocery stores what type of wines i like yeah so we kind of we support three like the three main use cases so you know the first is online marketplace so we we partner with retailers mm-hmm. and we uh connect their products on our platform and then we present them to our users based on how much they're going to like them so there's it's all unbiased and it's you know all based on our algorithms so nobody can pay to be boosted to have a higher taste match to get more sales or anything okay um so like that's the online marketplace and that's really exploding with you know the advent and changes of COVID. oh yeah um but there's another functionality that I really love, and it was really what we set off to first create, which is the uh, wine list scanner. So uh, if you go to any restaurant, you get a wine list. Uh, if you, you open up SIP, you take a photo of the menu. We used uh, computer vision to turn the menu into a digital menu, and it gives you a bunch of additional data. So it's going to tell you 
you know, the community reviews, uh, the description, like flavors of the wine, the food pairings, but it also gives you for each one on the list, your personal taste match. Yep. So it really helps take care of like that unknowns at a restaurant. And there's a lot of wine professionals, particularly in like, you know, more urban environments, mm -hmm. but you know, a lot of the country, they don't have wine professionals. So like we're there to help not only consumers, but also restaurants provide a good experience in the absence of having those type of people on staff. And then of course, if you're at the grocery store, you can always open up sip, search for the wine and uh, see you know, which ones are gonna be best for your taste. Um, in the future, we're working on a like label scanner so you can just take a photo of the wine and boom, you'll know exactly how much you're gonna like it and all the other additional data. And, and the, the, the scanning functionality of a menu is already within the app or is that in beta? Oh no, that's live. And okay. I highly encourage you to try it. It's <laughs> great, great, great. So I, I see how this can be very useful, useful to people. But then you have some people who love the experience. They go to wine bars, they like to go to restaurants and they just want the spontaneity of trying different wines and see what they like and they don't like. What would you say to those people who think the app kind of takes away the fun? Well, you know, simply serves as a guide to help users make decisions uh, without the risk of buying wines they won't like. So our recommender factors in something called novelty uh, to help users discover wines that are less like what they've already said they like, but are similar in certain characteristics. So it helps them kind of broaden uh, their taste profile and try new things, but at a lower risk. Um, so similarly, you know, it serves as like a dating app. For wine as well it helps connect people with wines they're going to like before they try them see into the future a little bit um so if we're doing our job right um they'll try a lot of different wines that they haven't had before and they'll just always be happy with those wines as opposed to kind of rolling the dice um so you know they select it based on their personal taste match score even if they don't know if they're going to like it if it has a high score mm -hmm. they they should like it okay great that's great so my next question, I'm curious, how does the company turn a profit? Yeah, well, we don't yet. <laughs> uh, yeah, we we launched SIP uh, just under three months ago uh, on the mobile app platform. So <clears throat> we're still operating a loss, but our primary revenue model is a commission fee uh, based on each sale that we bring to a retailer. Okay. Uh, the best part is our, our users don't pay anything additional uh, to buy from SIP that completely is paid on the retailer side, kind of comes out of what they would might've spent on marketing or, you know, other uh, channel oh, promotion. Gotcha, okay. Yeah, so that's the primary revenue model. Um, you know, we're experimenting with some other concepts uh, such as like a personalized wine club based on your taste match. Um, but, you know, that's a little bit further down in the future and we have to really understand like what our users want from us first. Okay. Okay. Now, in you know, recent news, um, cybersecurity is really big, right? Oh, um, yeah. Whether you have, you're taking in personal credit card information, personal information in general, or um, just you know, you're doing you're doing business with other uh, partners who have a lot at risk, right? Right. Right. So, so how is SIP tackling cybersecurity? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I'm not sure if I'm the best person to answer it. I have some uh, very brilliant developers that uh, <laughs> have like you know several decades worth of experience in cyber, um, but really it's a security first focus on development architecture. Um, 
enforcing multi-factor authentication on employee accounts where possible. Um, we use AWS Cognito for managed authentication. So we don't even see our users' information, right? It, it's managed uh, completely in a black box for AWS. Um, and then, you know, keys and chromatic access are managed centrally without storing the keys or passwords on like our users' devices or code repositories. Okay, okay. It looks like you have some, um, some good controls in place there. And as always, right, um, whether it's your cybersecurity program, marketing, whatever, you're always trying to uh, mature and continue to improve. So that's uh, great to know there. You mentioned the personal wine club. What else do you have in the future uh, for SIP? What else can we expect in the future? I, I love that question. So we have a saying internally, Amazon started with books. We started with wine. So we plan to expand into other alcohol categories and ultimately become the Amazon alcohol someday. Um, the big value you know, that we're bringing to our users and the big bets that we're making is that taste match will be an integral part of a user's buying decision for all products on our platform. Sort of like a critic score, but you're the critic and taste match is like your personal score. Um, so ultimately we want to power the alcohol consumer happiness around the world through personalization. Okay, okay. You have a successful track record when it comes to business and strategy. So for everyone who's listening, what are your thoughts for successful innovation? Yeah, that's a great question as well. So, you know, I think successful innovation starts at a cultural level. And I'm not talking about hiring people that are like air quotes, cultural fits. You know, mm -hmm. cultural fit just, I think is often used as like people that look, speak and act like, you know, I do or mm -hmm. we do. Um, and that's not what we want. In fact, it's quite the opposite. Diversity in whatever way you cut it leads to the best representation of ideas and perspectives that ultimately lead to the greatest innovations. Mm. So like what I mean by culture is a company culture has to be one of providing employees context and clear goals, but empowering individuals and teams to have the freedom to come up with the solutions and the responsibility to own the outcomes and have an environment where everyone sunshines their failures and shares their lessons learned. Yeah. So the rest of the team can benefit. Uh, you know, I think on the other hand, uh, the other aspect is really obsessing over your customers. You know, I mean, I think Jeff Bezos really made that the big mantra. And, you know, if you keep your, your users at the core of the decisions that the team makes, um, you'll have a lot of success and innovation. So like at SIP, uh, everyone on the team participates in at least one uh, user interview a week. So our marketing and our dev team um, participate in those. And what that does is it builds empathy for our users. Okay. Um, and that's who we're building features for. It's very powerful and it equips the entire team with the shared context and gives meaning to why we're prioritizing what we are mm -hmm. and how it will ultimately create delightful experiences for our users. So, you know, once the culture is in place and the team is aligned behind that, you have a team of missionaries always seeking new ways to help out our users rather than a team of mercenaries that are just doing what they're told to do and developing what they're told to develop. Uh, so, you know, it's really building the why of what we're doing on a cultural aspect. Yeah, I love that. Uh, understanding the why and also having that diverse perspective when it comes to, um, you know, building things. I think that's great. What two attributes would you say are non-negotiable for success? Two attributes non-negotiable. Well, you know, you can't accomplish anything world-changing, even in a small way, on your own. Mm -hmm. You know, as a single entrepreneur or founder, 
you have to do it with others. So like with that in mind, the people you work with have to view one another as team members, mm -hmm. not family. Because as a team, you have to be like a pro sports team. Everyone has a role, right? It's not a kids rec team. That means that you have to hire people and provide coaching. Uh, so you have rock stars in every position. Because if you have a great QB and the terrible wide receivers, you're never going to score any points. And the goal is to hire, develop, and cut intelligently so we have rock stars in every position. Uh, once you have that, then you can set goals and give them that freedom and responsibility to create the solutions to achieve the goals in your setup for success. Great. So I think that's number one. Uh, number, I think the other aspect is, you know, everyone has to be bought off on the concept of always hiring people better than yourself. So you can continually increase your talent density in your company. Uh, the higher the talent density, the more the team accomplishes and the model leads to continuous improvement over time. So this requires uh, making sure that you have the right hires in the beginning and the culture uh, where you're aligned with the goals of making the company successful, not protecting your own ego. Um, and then if everyone wants the company to be successful, they're gonna to want to recruit the best players on their team so they can win more championships. Gotcha. I like that. I like the, the um, sports analogy there. <laughs> That's great. Um, what advice would you provi provide expiring uh, entrepreneurs when it comes to business and strategies? Oh, man, that's great. Um, I made a lot of mistakes. So I can dust off some of my uh, mistakes and try to turn them into useful advice. Uh, I think the big thing is start lightweight when you're testing assumptions. Mm -hmm. um, there are a ton of great ideas in everyone's minds uh, that solve problems that maybe not enough people have. Uh, so when I like, you know, started creating SIP, uh, I started with like a multitude of surveys mm -hmm. to really dig into like the core challenges for the wine consumer. Uh, and then I interviewed some of those users or some of those people uh, to validate some feature ideas. And we literally drew up sketches on like these jumbo, like post-it notes uh -huh. um, and then presented them to people to get feedback. Um, then we used that uh, then we use a design platform to make high fidelity prototypes, which we tested using usability testing platforms like Usability Hub. Uh, then you examine results, you iterate, and then once you build enough confidence, we actually started developing them. So that's a long road before you get to development. And I think a lot of people jump right into this is what I think I we need without any validation. You start building the code, and it's so much more costly to change. Yeah, and you know the whole process is really about building confidence and validating hypotheses. Um, you know, writing code is the most expensive part of any process. So everything from the initial idea to sketching and getting feedback are just steps to building that confidence uh, to what you're finally going to end up building and knowing that it's good. But then of course you have to continuously iterate on your product. So that means using data insights, feedback from users to improve your current product and then discover new future features that delight. Um, and it sounds like a lot, and it is. So, you know, the other aspect of that is you can start by, you know, moonlighting uh, when you're starting your own company and, you know, making a side hustle. But sooner or later, if you're really going to take off and you want to make this, I call it like sculpting fog, you have a foggy idea and you want to turn it into reality, uh, you'll need to go full time. Yeah. And, you know, finally, and, you know, back to the team, I'd say this is a big mistake I made in the beginning is. Find a co-founder that complements your skill sets within the domain that you're entering into. Uh -huh. um, so, you know, I'm not a CTO. Um, you know, in terms of 
architecture and cloud platforms and like uh, code configurations to make sure it's all consistent and clean. Those are things that I learned for the first time and had I brought somebody in that could enforce those, uh, we would have launched uh, to market you know, much sooner than we did. Yeah, mm, great, thanks for sharing that. Yeah, of course. So um, now we get to the part I have to keep my entrepreneurs. I got to keep their minds sharp, you know, so they can continue uh -oh. with the success. <laughs> We're going to play a word association game. I might say day, you might say night. Um, I might say money, you might say profit, that sort of thing. Um, let me know when you're ready to start. And it will be all over the place. No, no, okay. no passes here. Throw it at me. First word, festival. Festival. Um, wine. Galaxy. Universe. Market. Global. Playoffs. Championship. Perception. Vision. Perfect. Blake, uh, I wish you the best in the success. Um, I like what you have going on here. Definitely gonna follow you on your journey and, you know, again, Best of luck to everything you have going on. Yeah, Larry, thank you so much. I mean, I, I love your podcasts and, you know, you, you bring in some really amazing guests and I'm just grateful to be able to share some of my experiences and, you know, hopefully uh, your viewers will find it valuable. And uh, if anyone wants to reach out to me, you can always contact me at Blake at sipped.com. For this episode and other podcasts, please follow MITEFDC Cutting Edge on LinkedIn or Spotify.